Welcome to the teaching ministry of Dr. Benji Kelly and New Hope Church. We're thrilled you've joined us for this week's podcast. Dr. Kelly is currently leading us through a series entitled God's House. In this series, we learn how God's house is a place where generosity flows, where serving others is the norm, where we exist for the guest, where family is first, where hope is found in abundance, where grace happens, and God's house is a place where people can come as they are. May God bless you as you enjoy this week's message from our senior pastor, Dr. Benji Kelly. How are we doing, church? You guys doing good today? Welcome. We are so glad you are here. You guys came ready to worship today. And uh, I trust that that's been the case at all the campuses as well. Welcome to all the campuses, by the way. What do you say here at Central? Let's just let all the other campuses know we're so glad they're a part of us. Give it up for the campuses. If you're watching it on television or the internet or whatever the case may be as well, we just want to welcome you. I also want to just give some props before I jump in today. I didn't preach last week, so I was able to just kind of hang out in the rotunda and meet a lot of people. And I'm telling you, our guest ratio has gone through the roof because you folks have been investing and what? Inviting your friends to the house of God. And so I just want to say... Well stinking done. And if you're a guest here today, so glad you are here. Thrilled that you are here. And I I didn't mention all the campuses, and I'm not today, but I do want to mention one. If you're not familiar, we have a campus in the North Carolina Correctional Institute. We have a campus in a women's prison. It is cool. They had an amazing training this week, and they are back with us off of their summer break. So we just want to welcome the daughters of the king at the NCCIW campus. And I want to share an email with you. I get not an email, a letter. I get a lot of letters from the, the women inmates, and I read them, and I want to I read this one to you. I would like to take a moment and thank New Hope Church for all the prayers and love-filled support I received from you while I was at NCCIW. I looked forward to all your visits, and your prison ministry helped me with my walk with God. I pray for you daily... Check that out. And cannot express with words just how wonderful it felt to be a part of a loving family for the first time in my life. After my grandmother died, I had went down to a very dark and lonely place. And at that time, I didn't see just what God had in store for me. Your prison ministry helped to remind me that we all make mistakes. We all make mistakes. Amen? Amen. If you're here and you don't think you make any mistakes, come see me. I want to talk to you. (laughs) And we serve an amazing God who will never leave us nor forsake us. I will certainly be coming to your church just as soon as I am able. And I look forward to seeing you all there. Welcome. If you're here, welcome. We are so glad you're a part of our church. Um, I need to say one more thing before we get into the message today. This is going to feel like it's out of left field, okay? I want to warn you. Um, But I need to follow the Spirit's lead. Amen? You want me to do that, right? Um, Two weeks from now, exactly 14 days from now, we are launching... Two more campuses. We're going after the capitals of the Carolinas for Christ in two 
weeks, 14 days. We're launching a campus in Columbia, and we're not launching a campus in North Raleigh. Now listen to me. That's huge. And I don't want us to just breeze right over it and just, just because I tell you all the time, what God's doing here is not normal. Amen? So I just want to pause for just a moment, and uh, I want to kind of gather those of us who will join me. And, and some of you are like, I ain't doing that. But some of you might want to do that. I am inviting our church. I've already invited our staff, and, and they're fired up about this. I am inviting anyone who will join me to go on a 10- or 14-day fast. If you read Daniel chapter 1, it's an interesting concept. You can read it later. In Daniel chapter 1, Daniel says to the king, Hey, I don't want to eat your royal food. That was very offensive, by the way. I don't want to eat your royal food, and I don't want to drink your royal wine. Why don't you just let me enjoy vegetables? And for 10 days, Daniel did that. And the Bible says in Daniel chapter 1 that the king and all the other people were amazed because after this time period, Daniel looked far better than those who were eating the royal food and drinking the royal wine. Thus, we have had what I've done probably 12 to 15 times. It's called the Daniel's fast. It's called the what? Daniel's fast. Fasting is something that we've kind of lost in our culture. But I would remind you that Jesus said in the New Testament, there are some things that can only be answered through what? Prayer and fasting. So I want to invite you. Uh, I believe leaders need to go ahead of the people. So I've been at this seven days already. Mine's, mine's turning into a 21-day fast. And I would invite you to come along with me over the next 10 or 14 days and embark upon the Daniel's fast. Not, listen, not to lose weight. Oh... Some of you had already gone there. Some of you are like, whoa, I'm in, I'm in. I'm meddling in. I'm in your stuff, isn't I? See, I, but here's why. I, I, I can think like that too. Be careful. A fast is a spiritual journey, right? It's to lean in and press into God. I'm inviting you to join me so that when you're hungry, and you might decide to fast something else. You might not decide to fast food. When you're hungry or you're thinking about that which you are fasting, Turn that hunger and that desire into Almighty God. Amen? And hunger after God. Thirst after God. And pray for yourself. And pray for our church. And pray for the launches of these two campuses. Think about it. You might say, well, what exactly do you fast? Because Daniel talked about just vegetables. I changed the Daniel's fast ever so slightly. I eat vegetables. I have added fruit to it. And I drink coffee in the name of Jesus. And, of course, I drink water. I drink lots of water. Vegetables, fruit, water, and I drink coffee. Because here's why. God has never led me to give up coffee. I don't think he would do such a thing. If he does, I will do it. You should be praying that he doesn't lead me to do that. Because I might come up in here and preach some hellfire and brimstone if I try to give, off, give up coffee. You know what I'm saying? Just be all in a bad mood. Um, but I do vegetables, fruit, and water, and coffee. And you're invited to join me in any kind of way, however that might look. But let's lean in and hunger after God in this season ahead. Amen? Open up your Bibles to First Chronicles 22. First Chronicles 22. Verses 1 through 7. Open up your iPads, your phones, your old school Bible, whatever the case may be. 
And let's stand in honor of God's word, can we? First Chronicles 22, verses 1 through 7. We're starting a new series called God's House. Now, if you are a keen observer of what goes on around here, you might be thinking, wait a minute, last week they said the series name was going to be Our House. And you are exactly right. But as I got before God this week and the Lord just really impressed upon my heart this passage of Scripture, I was reminded it's not really Our House. Amen? Amen. It's God's House. Let's study this together. First Chronicles 22, verses 1 through 7. Then David said, the house of the Lord is to be here and also the altar of burnt offering for Israel. Verse 2. So David gave orders to assemble the foreigners residing in Israel. And from them he appointed stone cutters to prepare dressed stone for building the house of what? He provided a large amount of iron to make nails for the doors of the gateways and for the fittings. And more bronze than could be weighed. Beloved, that's a lot of bronze. He also provided more cedar logs than could be counted. That's a lot of cedar logs. For the Sidonians and the Tyrrhenians, he brought large numbers of them to David. Verse 5. David said, My son Solomon is young and inexperienced. And the house to be built for the Lord should be great magnificence and fame and splendor in the sight of all the nations. Therefore, I will make preparations for it. So David made extensive preparations before his death. Then he called for his son Solomon and charged him to build a house for the Lord, the God of Israel. David said to Solomon, my son, I had it in my heart to build a house for the name of the Lord, my God. Here's my question for you. What picture... What kind of picture do you have in your heart for God's church? Don't answer it out loud. Just think about it. What kind of picture do you have in your heart for God's church? As I read through the Bible, I find that the people of God loved the house of God. Flip back to 1 Kings just a little bit. 1 Kings chapter 9. I want to read one more passage of scripture to you. As we're standing. First Kings chapter 9. Verses 1 through 3. Here we go. When Solomon had finished building the temple of the Lord in the royal palace. And had achieved all he had desired to do. The Lord appeared to him a second time. As he had appeared to him at Gibeon. The Lord said to him. Listen closely church. I have heard the prayer and the plea you have made before me. I have consecrated this temple. Which you have built by putting my name there forever. My eyes and my heart will always be there. Read that with me. My eyes and my heart will always be there. One more time. My eyes and my heart will always be there. I love the way the message translation puts it. The message translation says this. God's eye is on it and his heart is in it. God's eye is on it, and his heart is in it. Talking about the house of God. Repeat after me. His eye is on it. His heart is in it. One more time. His eye is on it. His heart is in it. Father God, would you 
speak for you have our attention. We want to understand. We want to embody. In fact, Lord, we want to be your house. So take my lips and speak through them today. For if you do not speak, then absolutely nothing of any significance will have been spoken. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Take out your teaching notes, church. It's right there in your bulletin. It's perforated. Tear that off. Grab that pen in front of you. Keep your Bibles open. And let's talk about the house of God. Here's the very first thing I would say to you as we get into this mini-series. And by the way, this is just a two-part series. It's today and next week. I encourage you not to miss it. I also want to let you know this is very dear to my heart. This is a very personal message for me. This is one of the reasons why we started the church 12 years ago because I wanted to pastor a church like this. I want to pastor a church like the things I am going to talk to you about today because I believe in our culture. Listen, I believe we have... We have started to drift, if you will, away from a healthy biblical understanding of the church, of God's house. So here's the first thing I'd say to you today. God's house is where generosity flows. God's house is where generosity flows. Now, I would have expected a few amens right there. As I studied the passage of Scripture this week, I was reminded of the extent to which God's people went to care for God's house. Moreover, I was struck by the generosity of God's people. Did you catch it in chapter 22, verse 5 of 1 Chronicles? Let's read this out loud. 22, 5. Ready? Go. The house to be built for the Lord should be of and fame and splendor in the sight of all nations. Now hold that up there for just a moment. Can I remind you that things of great magnificence are not cheap? Right? God's house should be a place of great magnificence. What else? Fame? Splendor? In the sight of all the nations. Let's continue out loud. Ready? Go. Therefore I will make preparations for it. So David made extensive preparations before his death. From the earliest days in the Bible, when you read of God's people building the temple, the temple becoming the church of Jesus Christ in the New Testament, from the earliest days, listen, in the house of God, generosity flows. Now, if you're a guest, let me just pause right here for just a moment. If you're a guest... Don't think even for a moment, oh, Lord, for 30 minutes now, he's going to beat me up over money. In fact, if you're a regular around here, you know that I hardly ever talk about money. If you're a first-time guest, you might not know this, but we say almost every Sunday we try to remember to say to the guests, if you are a guest, we don't want you to feel any obligation whatsoever to participate in the offering. We want this service to be what? Y'all heard me say it over and over. A gift to you. But that does not negate the fact that when you read the scripture and when you look at the church throughout church history, up in God's house, generosity flows. Can I get an amen? Amen. uh, (laughs) Oh, you know, I'll call you out. We just had a first celebration. I mean, they were like, when we got done, they were just hooting and hollering and you guys awake? Let's try that again. When you get in God's house and you get people to experience the generosity of God, generosity flows. Amen. 
That, that, there's the church I love the pastor. There's the church. Listen, another way to put it is when the people of God experience the love of God and they fall in love with the house of God, generosity flows. The reason now you're with me, there's the church I know. The reason, listen, the reason this church is going all over the Carolinas is because generosity flows up in this house. The reason this church is right here in 12 years on 36 acres of land in the epicenter of North Carolina is because generosity flows up in this house. The reason this church is, is in Haiti, and last year, by the way, let me remind you, last year you did this, and I did this. We adopted every single kid a group of us could find in a Haitian village. We took pictures of them, and you sponsored every single child because there's generosity up in this house. We, we've adopted a village in, in Kiria, Kenya because generosity's in this house. We're going to be launching a campus, get this, in Nairobi. Because generosity flows in this house. Now, if you're new to the Christian faith and you're just not up on all this kind of stuff, let me just, let me just walk you through this. Most of you know what I'm about to say, but then I'm going to teach you something that most of you probably don't know. Most of you know that there's this thing in the Bible called the tithe. Not the tie. Most of us don't wear those around here. But if you have a tie on, God bless you, Reverend. Um, <laughs> The tithe, it's apodicato, it's, it's the biblical principle, it's the way in which God set up funding his church. The, the, the principle is this, the person brings 10% of their income, income streams, income, whatever, into the house of God, and that's the way in which God has set up funding his church. It's really a beautiful principle because it's equal giving, it's equal sacrifice, I should say, actually. What it means is a CEO making a million dollars a year who tithes basically gives the same amount or the same sacrifice as a college student who might tithe on a $1,000 scholarship. It's 10%. It's percentage giving. It's apodicato. That's how the church is funded, if you weren't familiar with that. But here's something that I'm guessing most of you don't know. And I'm going to move through this pretty quickly, but I really want to teach it for just a moment because I think most people don't know this. In the Old Testament, even the casual reader will pick up that the generosity so flowed in the house of God in the Old Testament that when God's people experienced the love of God in the house of God and generosity flowed in that house of God, they gave not one tithe and probably not two tithes, but the most reputable biblical scholars tell you that they gave three tithes. And some of you are like, what you talking about, Willis? <laughs> yeah, I don't know where that came from. How many of you remember that show, What You Talking About, Willis? Yeah, all right. Let me just teach this to you real, real quick. And by the way, I'm not advocating this. I'm just showing you something in the Old Testament. The first tithe that you see in the Old Testament was a tithe for the maintenance of the Levites or the priests. The priest who presided over the temples. It's in Numbers 18.21 and Leviticus 27.30. It's, it's throughout the Bible. Here's the first tithe. Behold, I have given the children of Israel, or the children of Levi, that's the priest, a tenth, a tithe, as an inheritance for their service. So the first tithe was for the religious priests. The second tithe was brought to Jerusalem, and it was to fund, if you will, the religious feast that you see in the Bible. In the Old Testament, man, they just love to have feast, they love to eat, and they love to party. Some things have never changed, you know what I'm saying? Right? So here's the second tithe. And to Jerusalem, you shall bring your burnt offerings and your sacrifices and your what church? 
tithes and your free will offerings and the first offspring of your herds and of your flock. So the second tithe was sent to Jerusalem for all the religious feasts and festivals. And the third tithe you see in the Old Testament was a tithe for the poor. Deuteronomy 26, 12. When you have given all the tithes of your increase and have given to the Levites, remember the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow, that they may eat within your gates and fill and be filled. So the first tithe was for the priest. The second tithe was for Jerusalem and the feast and the festivals. And the third tithe was for the poor. And I love how this part of Scripture wraps up in Deuteronomy 26, 13, and 15. In fact, this is a great passage for us all to read together. Let's read it together. Go. Then say to the Lord your God, I have removed from my house the sacred portion and have given it to the Levite, the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow, according to all you commanded. Good job. Let's continue. Look down from heaven, your holy dwelling place, and bless your people Israel and the land you have given us as you promised on oath to our ancestors, a land flowing with... See, I love those few verses because, listen, they remind us of two very important things. Your tithe is sacred. When a person honors God with his or her tithe, it is sacred. I sometimes see some of you on Sunday mornings, you'll have that tithe check in front of you and and you're praying over it. Or many of you tithe like my wife and I do. We do online giving and it's it's just the easiest and the most secure way to do it. It just keeps regular giving to the church, to the house of the Lord. But that is sacred. And here's the second thing I love about that passage. It reminds us that you can't outgive God. That God was blessing his people with generosity. And again, once a person experiences the generosity of God, generosity wells up inside of them. So let me ask you a question. Are you thankful that we are no longer obliged to the Old Testament covenant? You didn't know where I was going, did you? If you're thankful that we are no longer in the Old Testament covenant, i.e. two or three tithes, let me hear a hearty amen. Amen. You don't know whether you should say amen to that or not. (laughs) But if you're thankful that you get to participate in the generosity of God and you're thankful that, that God wants to use a portion, maybe just one tithe, of the people of God for the house of God. Let me hear an amen. amen. My daughter, Anna Grace. I'm kind of an emotional basket case today, by the way. Um, my daughter, <laughs> my sweet, precious, only daughter that I have. Who seems like she was born to me yesterday. Came into this world 16 years ago today. It is... It is Anna Grace's sweet 16 birthday today. And when you see her, give her some love. She'll be coming up in a little bit. And Anna Grace, I love you. You're the apple of my eye, the cream in my coffee. You, you're, you're the world to me, girl. When she was about five years old, I was in her bedroom. 
And I was teaching her this, this principle of tithing. And I've taught all my kids this. Sometimes I'll use marbles. I think with one kid I use little trucks one day. But, but with Anna Grace, I actually took $10 out. I remember it like it was yesterday. And I put $10 on the, on the floor of her bedroom. And I was teaching her about tithing. And I said, Anna Grace, here's $10. There's this principle in the Bible that when we get money and we were giving them allowances, we believe in kids doing chores. Side note, your youngins should be pulling their weight. See, that's one of those just free parenting things. You slipped in. You, you know, I like to do that. Uh, we, we give our kids chores, and then we give them allowances, and we teach them how to manage money. So that's what I was doing. I said, Anna Grace, here's 10 $1 bills. And I said, there's this principle in, in the Bible. It's tithing. This is what your mom and dad does. And what we do is when you get $10, Anna Grace, you should immediately take $1 and give it to God's house. And that little girl... At the age of five or six years old, looked at me and said, Daddy, why so little? Out of the mouths of babes, God has ordained praise, the Bible says. I've never forgotten that. When you understand tithing in the Old Testament, then you look into the New Testament. Why, why so little? In the house of God, generosity flows. Can I get an amen? Here's the second thing. God's house, where we welcome all guests. Where we welcome who? All guests. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8, as the New Testament writers are unpacking that the temple has now become the church and, and they're writing about this culture and the way in which God's house should operate. Look at what we see in 1 Peter 4, verse 8. Above all, love each other. What church? Deeply. Because love does what? Covers over a multitude of sins. I love this next verse. Verse 9. Offer hospitality to one another without... All right, now just stop right there. <laughs> Why are y'all laughing? Oh, y'all know some grumblers. Maybe you are a grumbler. If you're married to a grumbler, raise your... No, I'm just kidding. Everybody repeat after me. No grumbling allowed. Again, no grumbling allowed. In the house of God, we should... Oh, no, no, I was moving on. In the house of God, listen, we should be a place that offers hospitality to every guest that would come our way. We should be a place that opens wide our arms and receives people into the body of Christ. And lest we think this is just a New Testament principle, it is not. All the way back in Deuteronomy 10, 19, the Bible says this. You shall also love the stranger. For you were once strangers in the land of Egypt. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Have you ever... Have you ever been to someone's house and they gave you the cold shoulder? How's that feel? It's awful. Come on. Have you ever been to a church and they offered you a cold shoulder? Come on now. When I was starting this church 13 years ago, I was traveling around preaching in all kinds of churches, raising prayer support and people support and financial support. And, and one, one Sunday I had a Sunday off, so I just wanted to go to this great church. So I visited this great church, and sure enough, it was happening. I mean, a lot like this place, slammed. And I, I barely got a seat in the back. And it came that time where the pastor had everybody turn and greet one another. Now, if you don't know, by the way, the extroverts always love that moment in church. You introverts, that's, that's your least favorite point. 
in the service of worship, isn't it? You're like, would this please end quick? Um, but I was in the very back, and the pastor did the whole meet and greet thing. And this couple, I kid you not, turned around, and I had to initiate everything. I initiated the conversation, told them I was a guest. I was excited about being there. And they said, quote, unquote, as you can tell, we're pretty crowded, and so we aren't looking for any guests. Thank you very much. Good to worship with you. <laughs> right? No. No, no again. Don't you ever say something like that to a guest around here. Let me just unpack this in practical terms. Here's what it means to offer hospitality in a church where all guests are welcome. When you pull up in the parking lot and you're getting ready to pull into a parking space and somebody cuts on their blinker and cuts you off, what do you do? God bless you. <laughs> Beloved, they might not know Jesus. They might not be sanctified yet. They might still be rough around the edges, whatever the case might be. Don't you dare peel the banana at them. <laughs> no. Don't you get out of the car and give them that look. When you walk up to the, to the door, if you see that guest, you, you can always tell guests, I want you guys to help find guests with us. You can always tell the guests, they walk up to the building going, they don't know where to go. Help them. Open up a door for them. If they have children, show them where Hope Town is. If they have students, show them where the student ministry is. It's a church that welcomes guests. If, if you come into here, oh Lord, and they are sitting in the seat that you always sit in. And I probably haven't said this in a long time. We don't have reserved seating up in here. I don't. I don't even have one of those parking signs that says pastor's parking i can't stand those signs when you walk in here and someone is sitting in your seat what do you do somebody just said get them up no you don't <laughs> you find another seat and you welcome them into the house of god because the church is a place where all guests are always welcome Here's the third thing, God's house. It's not only where generosity flows, beloved. It's not only where we welcome all guests, but it's where family comes first. Oh, I love this one. Now, some of you might be thinking, well, doesn't that kind of sound a little in tension with uh, all guests are welcome? No, actually, it goes beautifully together. God's house is where generosity flows. It's where we welcome all first-time guests, but it's where family comes first. How many of you have heard that old proverb? It's a secular proverb. Blood is thicker than water. You heard that? Might not have heard that in a long time. It's used to imply, listen, that family ties, i.e. blood, are always more thicker or important than ties you make among friends, i.e. water. It generally means that the bonds of family and common ancestry are stronger than the bonds between unrelated people. Now, I believe that. Anybody else believe that? Anybody else love family? Anybody else believe that family should stick together? I mean, we, I teach my kids, man. That's why we don't let our kids fight. The world will beat you up. When you go outside this house, you have one another's back. Speaking of Anna Grace, it's her birthday today. I tell my boys, you're going to disagree with this. Anybody mess with your sister? Well, come on now. 
I'm about to get off in a place I shouldn't go. Anybody mess with your sister? Kelly boys. You take care of it. Okay? Don't you start a fight. But if somebody messes with you and they start a fight, you end it. Oh, you've never heard some of this. <laughs> so I'm a family guy. Like, I believe in family. But 24 years ago, I started walking with Christ. And I started to realize that the biblical image of family is expanded. I started to realize that in the Bible, we learned that we're family. I started to learn that in the body of Christ, listen, we are kin folks. You, if you're talking to the believers in the house, the believers. If you're a believer, if you're a born-again Christian, the Bible teaches that we're kin folks. Listen, not by our biological blood, but by the blood of Jesus. And that, and that we're brothers. Like, like, dude, if you're a believer, you're my brother. Ma'am, if you're a Christ follower, you are my sister. We are family. And in God's house, family comes first. That means in God's house, there's no room for backstabbing. In God's house, there's no room for gossip. Come on now. In God's house, there's no room for a bunch of politicking. God's house. Families first. Look at what the Bible says in Ephesians 2, 19. You're so, you're so engaged in reading Scripture so well today. Let's read it out loud. Ephesians 2, 19. Ready, go. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of His... Members of what? Yes, blood is thicker than water. Our biological blood. Amen? Like, I believe we should stick together as a family. Parents, teach your kids. They represent your name. But listen to me. If we're Christians, we're connected not by biological blood, but by the precious blood of Jesus. We are brothers. We're sisters. Christ, we are the family of God. My granddad, God rest his soul, he's a great Christian man. Um, he died a couple of years ago. My granddad would always embarrass me because I would bring, when I was an undergrad at the University of South Carolina, I would bring um, the young girls that I was dating. I was trying to find my wife. You know, I was on the hunt, man, in college. And some of you are hanging there. God will deliver. Um, <laughs> so I'd take, I'd take these girls uh, to see my grandparents and my granddad would always embarrass me because within about five or ten minutes of meeting them, my granddaddy would say, this is an old southern saying, he'd say, who's your people? You heard that? Who's your people? It, it, it was his way of saying, who are your people? Who are you with? Who are you from? And granddaddy just liked to know those kinds of things. And, and I, I used to think when granddaddy would say that, you know, the truth is in the church, in the body of Christ, who's your people? Look around. We're family. Who are your peeps? Here are your peeps. Let, let that image settle in. 
This is a very important message. I told you this was personal for me. This is a very relevant message in the 21st century where lots of people are prone to talk about liking Jesus but not being committed to a church. Come on now. We are a culture made up of church hoppers and church shoppers. Bouncing here, bouncing there. Ooh, that pastor says something that offends me. I'll leave them and go here. Ooh, they got a cool series going on over there. I'll go over there. And they move around and they move around. And I've always had a desire. You know what? I want to pastor a group of people who come hell or high water. They are committed to this tribe, to the New Hope family of God. Like... Man, if, if, if God, I understand God calls people away and all that, and I get that, and I understand there's change, and, and I understand that I'm just saying any church, find a church that lifts Jesus up, preaches the Bible, amen, and let, let them be your people. Let them be your tribe. Don't be so freaking flippant about the church. This is God's house. Look at what 1 Peter says. One of my favorite verses in the New Testament. 1 Peter 2.10. Once you were not a people. Twelve years ago, we were not a people. But now, what does it say? You're the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but, but now you've received mercy. Seriously, I want to just... I want to breathe on this for a moment. We're family. Like, if somebody offends you, that's not a reason for you to leave family. What if, what if parents, come on, parents, we're parents, what if we laughed every time our kids offended us? <laughs> They'd be home alone a lot, right? Right? Come on. I'm going to offend you. And if you won't be preaching this word, I'm definitely going to offend you from time to time. I still love you. It's not a reason to jet. Guess what? You're going to offend me. You're going to let me down. But we're family. We're, we're kin folks. And the beauty of this, look around. I mean, I said that a moment ago. None of you even looked around. You just stayed looking at me. But, but look around. Look how, look how beautifully... Diverse and, and wonderful our family is. Could, could you, through this series, let God settle into the water table of your soul this notion that the church is a people, we are a family. And if you're just visiting and you got another church, praise God, go back there and really dive in. Go back and be committed. This is one of the things that troubles me the most. It's, it's this flippant way in which we sometimes interact with the church. It's God's house. And you might be sitting there going, you know, those of you who think about such things, and you're right. You're sitting there thinking, well, this is a large church. Really, Pastor? How in the world am I going to experience authentic community and family in a church that big? Come on, get for real. How is that going to happen? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> there are two ways. Take your pick. Or better yet, do both. Life groups and serving in ministry. 
See, come on, this, this is all vertical. We're all in here today, we're worshiping God. Sure, we got a little meet and greet time, but that's not community. This is mostly vertical. But the way in which the church experiences family is through this Acts 2 biblical understanding of small groups or what we call life groups. If this is kind of scratching where you're itching and you're like, I really desire community. I really want to do life together because I'm convinced life is better connected. Don't miss tomorrow night. Uh, group link right here tomorrow night, 630, at all of our campuses. They're going to have it at all the campuses as well. You come out, it's a big, big party. We clear out all these chairs. We have group link. We get you connected with people in life groups, in people's home. That's where family happens. But some of you are like, there ain't no way I'm going to somebody's house and getting into a life group. Well, here's the other way you can find community around here. Just get involved and be a part of a ministry team. These bands, they're doing life together. These production people are doing life together. All the life group leaders, children's ministry, student ministry, first contact teams, they're doing life together. And some of you are so lonely. You're lonely. And in one, in one side, you're lonely and you're desperate for authentic community. But on the other side, you've bought into the cultural lie that Christianity can be experienced in isolation. And you're kind of doing life as an island unto yourself. And you're trying, to, you're trying to figure those two out. And I'm just here to tell you, there's no way you'll ever experience the abundant life of Christianity doing it all alone. It just won't happen. So as you think about this, I want to show you a little video. And then I'm going to wrap up. Just a short video just for you to keep thinking about this concept. We are family. Check it out. So many of you are guests today, and 
I know what you're going to say to me in the next steps room following the service. I hear it every single Sunday. You say things like, I knew the moment I walked in, I was home. Welcome home. I've always said people come to church for three things. Three things. People come to church to find help, hope, and home. Help, hope. That's why we call the church New Hope. And home. so excited about this series because I think it's going to recalibrate us. I think it's going to remind us, biblically speaking, what the church is all about. And God's house, listen, it's where generosity flows. God's house is where we welcome all guests. God's house is where families first. We're family. Where the church. You ever thought about this? You, you want to know how much Jesus loves the church? You ever thought about that? How much does Jesus love the church? Jesus loved the church so much that he died for the church. He died for the church. Which is why I can't stand it when I hear people say, Well, I love Jesus, I just don't like the church. You can't love Jesus and hate His bride. You can't do it. God's house. Our generosity flows. Guests are always welcome. And we're family. You know what the difference is? I kind of came up with this analogy here. It came out of a staff meeting, actually. How many of you travel? Like, you, you've been to airports and you've, or you've gotten rental cars. How many, how many of you have ever been in a rental car? Okay. Okay. Let me ask you a question. Do you drive a rental car like you care for your car? Come on now. Hey, this is free. If you've never heard this, never, ever, ever buy a car that came out of the rental market. Why? Why? Because it's abused. I mean, like, rental cars, man, rental cars take it. You know what I'm saying? That's why I love to drive rental cars. And even if you're, even if you're a safe driver, you know, and you never do anything wrong on the highway, God bless you, we need a lot more people like you. But even if you, the truth is, you don't care for a rental car like you do your own car. Why? doesn't belong to you. And as I look out at the church universal, here's what I've discovered. We have way too many people treating Jesus's bride, the one he died for, like a rental. And what this series is all about, it's about reminding you and me, listen, this is the church. This is God's house. We care for his house. Amen. I long to pastor a people who have a heart for the house. I long to pastor a people who care for the facilities, who care for the people, who care because it's not a rental. We're not renting this. We're stakeholders in the bride of Christ. We are the church. And I say, how do I apply this, Pastor? You dive in. We've all come off the summer season, right? It's the fall. We're thrilled to get back into the routine of things. Kids are back in school. 
here's how you apply this. Dive into your church. If it's not here and it's somewhere else, go back and in the name of Jesus Christ, get out of the grandstands, get on the playing field of the movement of God and be a player in the house of God and watch Him bless your life. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your house. Thank you for allowing us in it. Father, I pray that that you take these words and you just do something beautiful with them. God, this is this is really countercultural. Everything in our society moves away from commitment. Everything in our culture moves away from being a part of anything organized, if you will. The truth is, God, This is not organized religion. This is your house. And I'm so thankful to be a part of it. Would you bless every single person here today, God, those who are watching this on the internet or in front of a television somewhere, God, I want to pray particularly for them right now. Beloved, we offer these ministries so that you can experience this in your home or in a park somewhere or anywhere around the globe. But the truth is, We don't ever want it to stop there. You're never going to experience authentic family in a home or in front of a computer screen. So if there's any way possible, find a local expression. Find a church where Jesus Christ is exalted and lifted up and be a part of God's house. Flesh and blood. Heart and soul, be a part of God's house. Father, thank you for speaking to us today. If there's been anything said that's not of you, would you let it just fall by the wayside? But Father, for the things that have honored you and are straight from your heart and from your word, would you, would you please impress them indelibly upon our hearts and our minds? That the movement of new hope would be made up of people, Father, who are just so committed not only to you, but to your house. They'd realize that your your eyes are always on it. Your heart is always in your house. And as a result, we would be the same way. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you would like to learn more about the ministries of New Hope Church, please stop by one of our six campuses anytime or visit us online at www.newhopenc.org. If you would like to financially support the movement of New Hope, you can do so by clicking on the e-giving link at the top of our homepage. We hope you'll join us next week. God bless and thank you for being a part of our church family.